Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Thanks so much, Mr. President. Um, you've said over and over again that immigrants shouldn't come to this country right now. This isn't the time to come. That message is not being received. The perception of you that got you elected as a moral, decent man is the reason why a lot of immigrants are coming to this country and entrusting you with unaccompanied minors. How do you resolve that tension? And how are you choosing which families can stay and which can can go, given the fact that even though with Title 42, there are some families that are staying? And is there a timeline for when we won't be seeing these overcrowded facilities with run by CPB when it comes to unaccompanied minors? Well, look, I guess I should be flattered people are coming because I'm the nice guy. That's the reason why it's happening, that I'm a decent man or however it's phrased. That, you know, that's why there's no Biden's a good guy. Chris Wallace, uh, give us your top line thoughts. I, I will highlight some of the foreign policy that he did hit in this speech uh, on staying in Afghanistan. We will leave. The question is when. Uh, North Korea testing ballistic missiles. How we'll respond. Consulting with allies. There will be a response if they choose to escalate. Your takeaways. Yeah, I uh, and, and I have to say I was also struck uh, by the fact that it seemed on every foreign policy question, not the others, but on foreign policy, he went to his briefing book like Jen Psaki does uh, sometimes in the briefings and was reading, uh, obviously, White House guidance, White House talking points. Uh, covering Ronald Reagan for six years, I never saw that. Uh, the news conference, Peter, we mentioned that he took questions from 10 people, you and Fox News, not among them. That's right. And I mentioned last night uh, on Special Report that I had a binder full of questions. I think some people were kidding. I was not kidding. We <laughs> had a lot. And most of this stuff did not get to. For example, nobody ever asked him about this big plan that he's got, this big idea the economy uh, to make it all green. That Bingo. was something that we were hoping to get on the board with. And there really were not a lot of questions about COVID, particularly the investigation into the origins of it. That is obviously something that he spends a lot of time focusing on ways to move away from, but there is very little looking back at the origins of COVID. So we uh, did not get on the board with that. Nobody else asked about that. And to Chris's observation, I can tell, I can add to it that. Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? Competent leaders getting us back on our feet. The American Rescue Plan. It has almost everything. 
a year into this mess, recovery unfold. Hey, and welcome back. It's the 28th of March, year of our Lord, 2021. I got my uber racist white supremacist shirts back on because it's warmed up enough. In the basement, we can do it. After a night of serious thunderstorms from yesterday's show, we're back in the saddle. And today we will cover the press conference, or what do you want to call it? Filibuster, statehood, S1, the shootings. But we got some stuff up front, I think, kind of dovetail nicely with yesterday's show. You know, we have a lot of different thoughts in our country of who's the victim. Let me widen this out across my face. I'm going to move this over here. Yeah, we're going to make this big. This is a new YouGov poll. And I want you to look at what is really becoming the most discriminated group in America. And for a lot of people that's going to come across as, oh, you poor white people, shut the fuck up. But respondents, 51% of Republicans said they have become or feel that they're discriminated against. And remember, there's two worlds. There's the main world and then there's the digital world. Okay? Okay? And in the digital world, let's be honest. You're in a dangerous species of your conservative and you speak your mind. I mean, this very week, the New York Times did a serious, it's misinformation, pandering Babylon Bee story. That the Babylon Bee isn't a satire site. It's spreading disinformation. Because as we said... It was never about disinformation. It's about opposing views, and they will not have opposing views. They're fascists. And they must shut down all opposing thought. That's how you get 81 million people voting. For an idiot who can't string two sentences along, an oppressor, and involuntarily gets Tourette's and starts yelling, as we'll see. And then, of course, we covered... The military wokeness and woke yesterday and the racial stuff. This following video is horrible, so let me warn you up ahead. But how it was covered is even worse. video of an Uber Eats driver getting murdered, basically. And I downloaded it, but I didn't really think much about it. And then, Greg Gutfeld, CNN is run by apologists for 
brutality. Police said the girls, 13 and 15, assaulted an Uber Eats driver with a taser while carjacking him, which led to an accident in which he was fatally injured. They basically explained it. Michael Kaplan, your network reported the same thing. Stop using horrific events to score points over competitors, somebody said. But he's, they're saying Fox said it. The big article from CNN, teen girls charged with murder, carjacking of Uber Eats driver in Washington, D.C., and they explain away that they really didn't kill him. He just died. That's the premise of the article because they're black girls. Black. And that's more important. Teen girl worries about her phone, which is still in the car of the Uber Eats driver she carjacked and killed. The passive tone here is quite something, CNN. Acts like it went, he was carjacked, some stuff happened in between, he was injured and died. In reality, he was carjacked, and then the perpetrators proceeded to murder him. You mean brutally murdered? Mr. Part, that's the accident. Imagine thinking this headline is in it. Two girls murder a man after carjacking him. Fixed it. Why not simply say the driver was carjacked, held on to his car, and was murdered? The violent carjacking did not lead to an accident. They abducted him and banged him into a light pole. Remove the word accident from the CNN report. The girls 13 and 15 assaulted Muhammad Anwar. See, he's not the right race. If it was black on black, we wouldn't even have covered it. But he's he's Middle Eastern, so go fuck him. He, He doesn't matter. With a taser while carjacking him, which led to an accident in which he was fatally injured. The girls were charged with felony murder and armed carjacking. The younger girl is from southeast section of D.C., the oldest from the Fort Washington, Maryland part. Anwar came from Pakistan in 2014. His family said on a GoFundMe page, they murdered an Uber Eats. Ian Michael Chan, that's why I got it the first time. Uh, Jerry Dunleaving. Appalling footage of the carjacking near National Park in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday that resulted in the death of Pakistani immigrant Uber Eats driver Muhammad Anwar. The teenage girls who police say used a taser to steal the car faced murder charges. She was worried about her phone while a man she killed is laying on the ground. I like the part at the end where one of them is complaining about how her phone is still in the car of the man she and her pal just murdered. But then you get stories like this. Oakland to give $500 checks to low-income families, but not if they're white. A program that gives 500 monthly checks to low-income families of color in Oakland has been criticized for explicitly excluding the 10,000 white residents living in poverty in the city. The lottery system funded by private philanthropists will see no-strings-attached checks go to households with an annual income of less than 59000 and they have at least one child. The other half of the $500 checks will go to those earning under 30000 Shaft to deny the press the reason for limiting eligibility to black, indigenous, and other people. BIPOC! Was that white households in Oakland make it on average about three times as much as black households? Same people who spend all their time saying that white people gobble up all the welfare funds. Same people. But we're becoming a society where that's okay. It's okay to purposely discriminate on skin color. As long as that skin color is white. You know, 
Then we have this I found from Amanda. Let me pull it up. This is from an actual article. Medical article. I must leave it over my face. Offering preferential care based on race or ethnicity may elicit legal challenges from our system of colorblind law. But given the ample current evidence that our health, judicial, and other systems already unfairly preference people who are white, we believe following the ethical framework of Zach and others that our approach is corrective and therefore mandated. We encourage other institutions to proceed confidently on behalf of equity and racial justice while backing provided by recent White House executive orders, which will give us color cover so we don't get sued for breaking laws and shit. But, you know, fuck laws. The author of this is from the Boston Review, an anti-racist agenda for medicine. This is stuff that he's spoke on. Just matter-of-factly. Racism and capitalism Is COVID-19 the tool we can use to be racist? Well, yes. Well, yes, you can. Responses were like this, and I captured them. Now is the time for race-explicit action. Race-explicit. I mean, this shit just writes itself. You're fucking racist. You are the racist. And you get away with your racism because... White people, fuck them. Then other things, because I wanted to tie into last night. Wisconsin Assembly authorizes investigation of the 2020 presidential election. Biden won the state by point zero uh, zero point six three, and they want an investigation. DHS is having conversations about putting suspected suspected domestic terrorists and white supremacists on no-fly list. They don't have a list. They're just going to do random people based on their ideology. Amid setbacks, prosecutors abandoned some claims in the U.S. Capitol riot case like they were armed. They beat officers. They were mega. It's everything we said it was. There were mega people there. But it had nothing to do with the speech. It had nothing to do with Donald Trump. It had to do with evil people doing evil shit. And why not? It can stick to Trump. Parler says it referred violent content, specific threats against the Capitol to the FBI before the riots. But yeah. Yeah, we need to take them offline, because they're not good people. And I want you to look at this piece of fucking shit. This is our media in a fucking nutshell. Now, if you research your memory banks, this is the psychiatrist who spent all their time on TV saying that Trump had a mental illness. Violating all psychiatric codes, you can't diagnose somebody unless you're next to them, or you actually treat them. This is just over the... But she was brought on, and she was brought on through the entire 2020 election campaign. 
CNN brought her back on over and over and over and over and over and over. She was fired last May. She was disciplined and fired by Yale and told to get fucked because she violated her oaths. And nobody put it out. They never said a word. They just kept bringing her out on CNN like she was a still accredited psychiatrist. It just totally validates what we say on the show that nothing the mainstream media is talking about you should take as truth. It's all agenda. It's all framed. It's all bullshit. And that's a good way to start our press brief. Joe Lockhart, prior to uh, the White House press corps needs to adjust to the new president. This is Joe Lockhart, CNN. The rules that evolved around Trump should not be applied to Biden. Some in the White House press corps have figured that out. Some have not. The press conference will be a national event on how the press treats the new president. Distrust of the media is very high in our country. An overly aggressive or obnoxious press corps may do more damage to journalism than the president. Asking tough questions in a respectful way, allowing the president to answer, not trying to make yourself the story instead of president, will be the standard I'll be watching for. So basically, don't do anything we did for Trump because same team. So that was put out prior, so all these journalists were scared. They don't want to get Twittered. COVID theater, you saw the pictures, they purposely made it look for optics. Photo appears to show President Biden cheat sheet for his first press conference. And we're going to put that up after we listen to some really sexy sound bites from our senile houseplant, as Ben Shapiro says. I say sock puppet president. Try to do a press conference. One of the defining challenges you face in the coming months is how to deliver on your promise to on issues like immigration reform, gun control, voting rights, climate change. All of those right now are facing stiff, united opposition from Republicans on Capitol Hill. How far are you willing to go to achieve those promises that you made to the American people? Can your presidency be a success if you can't make progress on those four challenges, climate change, immigration reform, gun control, voting well, rights? Um, you've said over and over again that immigrants shouldn't come to this country right now. This isn't the time to come. That message is not being received. Instead, the perception of you that got you elected as a moral, decent man is the reason why a lot of immigrants are coming to this country and entrusting you with unaccompanied minors. How do you resolve that tension? And how are you choosing which families can stay and which can can go? One, if you could talk a little bit about which families, why they're being allowed to stay, what the families that are being allowed to stay, why they're being allowed to stay. In addition to that, when it comes to the filibuster, which is what Zeke was asking about, there's immigration is, is a big issue, of course, with, when it related to the filibuster, but there's also Republicans who are passing bill after bill, trying to restrict voting rights, Chuck Schumer is calling it an, an existential threat to democracy. Why not back a filibuster rule that at least gets around issues including voting rights or immigration? Jim Clyburn, someone, of course, who you know very well, um, has backed the idea of a filibuster rule when it comes to civil rights and voting rights. Sir, I just got back 
last night from a reporting trip to the border where I met nine-year-old Josep, who walked here from Honduras by himself, uh, along with another little boy. He had that Astounding. phone number on him. Do you want to see these unaccompanied minors staying in this, ch this country, or should they be deported eventually? Republican legislatures across the country are working to pass bills that would restrict voting, particularly Democrats fear impacting minority voters and young voters, the very people who helped to get you elected in November. Are you worried that if you don't manage to pass voting rights legislation, that your party is going to lose seats and possibly lose control of the House and the Senate in 2022. Regarding the filibuster, at John Lewis's funeral, President Barack Obama said he believed the filibuster was a relic of the Jim Crow era. Do you agree? Yes. If not, why not abolish it if it's the Jim Crow era? Have you had any talks with Senate Republicans who are threatening this administration with not considering the immigration legislation that was passed in the House until the situation at the border has been resolved? And I seem to have struck a nerve, frankly, David, with the president when I asked if those images that have come out of that facility and died. Yamish. Thanks so much, Mr. President. Um, you've said over and over again that immigrants shouldn't come to this country right now. This isn't the time to come. That message is not being received. Instead, the perception of you that got you elected as a moral, decent man is the reason why a lot of immigrants are coming to this country and entrusting you with unaccompanied minors. I played the Amici numerous times. Yamichi Alcindor should call herself a propagandist, not a journalist. Literally the worst, most partisan reporter to ever work at the White House. She's the one that floated Kung Flu. And started all the, oh, he's hurting Asian bullshit. So then he started doing it. The man had pictures to see who's going to call. These were all screen photos. If you don't think this was all preloaded, when Lockhart put out, make sure you're nice to Mr. fucking Senile. We don't want to make the home team look bad. You're smoking crack. Biden excels, displays mastery of the issues. Legacy media applauds the train wreck that was Biden's press conference. The Washington Post, Biden excels his first news conference. The media embarrasses themselves. The most impressive part in Biden's news conference, he had a plan, he's sticking to it. Time Magazine, Joe Biden proved a press conference doesn't have to be a spectacle. Who made it a spectacle? Did Donald Trump make it a spectacle or did you... Jim Acosta make it a spectacle. When we had journalists reading off the fucking plaque that has nothing to do with the Constitution, by the way, at the base of the Statue of Liberty, give me a gun, they made songs out of it. Knowing that Obama was the fucking deporter-in-chief and he started kids in cages. Fox! Fox News coverage of Biden press conference was hilariously petty. Yeah, we're not going to make it about the guy who couldn't string two sentences again. The nation! Biden meets and defeats the press. It could have been our jerk-off of the week, but I'm just not going to do it, because it was a given. And then, it, you got Ron, who am I turning this over? Thank you, Mr. President. I think it's time for our friends of the press to leave. 
every event he does, he's not in charge. He's not the president. I mean, so many things in 120 years in the Senate, lying about everything. There were no, there was no fucking fact checks. There was no list. They didn't break away to go, he just lied. They didn't do any of that stuff. And then I played the Fox clapback because they didn't call any other than their friends. Keith Oberman. Trump never answered a hostile question or sat for a hostile interview while in office. I know you're not smart enough to understand this. Please ask an adult, Gary Galalin. Wow, he's not going to call him Peter Ducey at this point in his presidency. Trump had taken a thousand hostile questions. What the fuck are you talking about, Moonbat? The entire press corps was hostile. Including Fox. And then in my intro, and I want, I'm just going to play it one more time. One more time. How many wonders can one rescue plan hold? Reading it over, you'd think, really? No Republicans voted for this thing. It's got direct relief to American families. It's got a path to reopen our schools. Cost of child care? Tax credits, baby. It's like they care. It's a big deal. But wait, there's more. Don't you want to be where the people are? Don't you want to go? Want to go out dancing? Having convos with those? What are they called again? Oh yeah, friends! Some folks thought we could reopen bars, but good strategy is required to reopen safely. And now by May 1st, we can all get the vaccine. Then we can talk, then we can hug our friends and our family and our loved ones. It's exciting to see a shift in ideology. A plan for our world. See, that's our problem. It's just not the left. It's our media is that way. Everything he does is beautiful. It's perfect. Because that's what the talking points say. It's not that it's real. It's not that he's true. It's not that he's in command or in charge of anything. It's just we must say this because it works. That was from Red Wine and Blue. Since moving to the Burbs, Ariel has again found her voice and her human legs and is using both to make sure you know the magical wonders of the American Rescue Plan. Did you know that in addition to $14 checks, this bill cuts child poverty in half? Ben McDonald, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. What is this? Pictures of dogs scowling. What is this crap? Why did you do this to me? But I had to put it side by side because that's our media and that's the left. They're a cult. They're just a fucking cult. You can say there were Trump people that were in the Trump cult, but it isn't the entire media and every lefty who will ban reason and go, that guy isn't senile. He's completely senile. He doesn't know what he's signing, what he's saying. He's got notes. We've never had a president, and I'll stop yelling literally fucking do a press brief that he had to read cheat cards because he doesn't know the topics. 
Here's Shapiro and Tucker. Yesterday, Joe Biden finally held his long-awaited press conference. This is the longest that a president has waited to give an actual press conference in a century. And there's a reason. Because he is not with us. He is not. Okay, so the last several nights, my baby has woken me up in the middle of the night and she has kept me up for hours at a time. And you start to feel when you are deprived of sleep that you're beginning to lack brain function. Well, Joe Biden does not lack for sleep. Joe Biden is just in decline. And, you know, I, I honest to God, I hesitate to make fun of the guy because it's really kind of tragic. It really is sad. I mean, he is the president of the United States. He is the guy who is in charge and he is clearly not in charge. He is clearly not with us. The media are doing whatever they can to cover over this fact. It's amazing. You know, for many, many years in this country, whenever there would be a problem with the president, the press trying to do its best to cover for that president would just cover it up. So Woodrow Wilson was basically a vegetable for the last couple of years of his administration. And Edith was actually running the country. And the press, fearful of the American public knowing this, just refused to report it. FDR was clearly in decline in the last years of his presidency. And the press, deeply afraid to cover that accurately, just didn't cover it. JFK was a scuzz bag with women. The press in his pocket just didn't cover it. It was something that they just left under the table. It's been a while in America since presidents got the kind of treatment that, that Joe Biden is getting right now. Barack Obama got kid glove treatment from the press, but he wasn't obviously in decline. There was not this massive gap between what he was publicly and what he was behind closed and how the media were covering him. With Joe Biden, what is perfectly obvious to you in front of your eyes is being overtly denied by a media that are declaring that Joe Biden is not only with us, he is in control. He is just, he is cool as a cucumber. And here's a piece from the Washington Post describing Joe Biden's press conference yesterday. And then we're going to contrast our establishment media who are just playing human centipede with Joe Biden at this point. They are at the back of that human centipede. Contrast that with what you actually saw with your own eyes, which was a president who is obviously in a state of cognitive decline, a president who, I mean, again, I, I say this with, with no sense of, of excitement or joy or happiness in any way. It is very sad to watch, to watch, again, the elected president of the most powerful country in the history of humanity not be with us and then to simultaneously be told that he is with us so he can push forward a radical agenda. And that's what this is. Because yesterday was a combination of incoherence and, radic and radicalism. That's what the, the combo was. The combination was a man who can't get through a sentence without a binder of notes in front of him and an agenda that would make LBJ blush. It's incredible. And the media are papering over that because they like the agenda. The media are just, they're not even his stenographers. The media are indistinguishable from the press wing of the Democratic Party. There shouldn't even be a White House press room. They should just actually absorb the press into the White House. Because at this point, the establishment press are a propaganda outlet for the president of the United States, so long as he is of the correct party. It's, it's an amazing thing to watch. Here's the headline from the Washington Post today after this press conference. President's policy approaches, quote, the art of the possible. I mean, they make the man sound as though he is a transformational leader who is who is aspirational and somebody who's going to bring us forward to a brighter future, as opposed to a man who is managing his own decline as well as the decline of the nation in pretty poor fashion. The Washington Post says President Joe Biden answering the 29th question in his first presidential news conference on the 65th day in office offered one of the clearest distillations of his theory of his presidency and how its success will be measured. It's clear his distillation. And my God, what an incredible guy. He answered 29 questions. 29. What an amazing, except the questions were all like, so Joe, how wonderful are you? And how bad was Trump? And can you explain just how transformational you're going to be? So according to the Washington Post, he said, quote, it's a matter of timing. He said in an answer in which he was referring to gun control measures, but could have been referencing almost any part of his agenda. As you've all observed, successful presidents better than me have been successful in part large, in large part because they knew 
how to time what they're doing, order it, decide it, and prioritize what needs to be done. The arc of history, in Biden's view, comes down to pragmatism. This thing is just a press release. It's a press release written by Jen Psaki. But it's not. It's in the Washington Post. Quote, it explains how he has approached his opening months in office and how he is looking at the coming years. It illustrates how he can describe some Republican policies as sick and un-American, while not doing everything in his power to immediately stop them. He called the filibuster a racist relic of Jim Crow, while also insisting he wasn't ready to remove it entirely in the hopes there would be some compromise. Successful electoral politics is the art of the possible. He's like Lincoln. I mean, this guy is just, he's bringing together the best people. He is taking it one step at a time. His incrementalism will be more transformational than the aspirational words of his far left compatriots. What an amazing guy. Okay, so that's the story that you're getting from the media today. The actual story of the press conference is that Joe Biden is not with us. He was repeatedly confused. He wandered off in the middle of sentences. He never came back. He did it at least three separate times during the press conference. Here's a little bit of Joe Biden just wandering off into the into the cornfield. And we have no idea where old Joe went. Am I giving you too long an answer? Because if you don't want the detail. No, no. But I mean, I, I don't know how much detail you want about immigration. Maybe I'll stop there and finish. So the best way to get something done, if you if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to. Anyway, I'm, we're going to get a lot done. But folks, I'm going. Thank you very, very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, that, that, second, that second statement there is just, that is not somebody who is with us. We can pretend. We can. We can all pretend everything is fine. I'll just note that for four long years, every single thing that Donald Trump said or did was used as an excuse by the left and by the media as a, as a hook to suggest that the 25th Amendment should be invoked because he was not competent to fulfill high office. Joe Biden wanders off in the middle of sentences. He doesn't know where he is or what he is doing. And the media proclaim him to be an incredible president, an incredible order. Five minutes into this press conference, there were reporters who were tweeting out about how, how in control he was. By the end of the press conference, he had to be mopped off the floor. And it wasn't as though he was asked tough questions because he really was not. We'll get to more of this in just one second. Again, this gap is the real story. We know what Biden is. We know what Biden's going to do. It's the gap between reality and how the media are portraying reality to the millions of Americans who didn't watch the press conference. That is truly the tale of the, 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 the tale worth telling here. We'll get to more of this in a second. First, here's the reality. You text a lot. I text a lot. Texting is really convenient. I'll tell you what, if somebody calls me from a business, chances are very low I'm going to pick up the phone. And if somebody emails me, chances are very high that ends up in the spam folder. But if somebody texts me, pretty good shot that I'm going to respond. This is why if you are a business, you need to make sure that you are in the texting game. If you've been around long enough, you remember that following technology innovations in the 90s, your business needed an email address. By the 2000s, you needed a website. By 2010, you needed to have a social media presence. And in 2021, you need to be texting. Podium is the messaging platform to power your business. It helps you reach your customers wherever they are. Business messaging with Podium helps you gain reviews, collect payments, communicate with customers, and capture leads all from a single inbox. Podium helps you adapt to the changing customer expectations. Don't take my word for it. South Tampa Family and Cosmetic Dentistry collected nearly 1,200 reviews, averaging 4.9 stars via text. Dr. Wyatt of South Tampa Family and Cosmetic Dentistry said, quote, the number of walk-ins as a result of our reviews has skyrocketed before we were seeing maybe 50 to 100 new patients a month now, we are seeing closer to 200. Find out how Podium can help your business reach more customers via text. It is the method your business needs to be using. Get started free today at podium.com slash Shapiro. That is podium.com slash Shapiro. Okay, so more Joe Biden seeming confused, falling apart. And that one clip of him falling apart is just, the, this, is, this is the one here. here. Here is Joe Biden. Again, any president who did this, 
who is not a Democrat, would immediately, immediately be expected to resign in, in fairly near order. I mean, if, if you watch this press conference and the first question that flashed through your brain was not how long can this guy last? I'm not sure what you were watching. Here was Joe Biden yesterday. I'm going to say something outrageous. I have never been particularly poor at calculating how to get things done in the United States Senate. So the best way to get something done, if you if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to. Anyway. I'm, we're going to get a lot done. What? What? Remember, he's completely in command. He's in control. The Drudge Report, which has basically turned hard left now. The Drudge Report's headlines today are Joe's No Drama Press Conference. Chill Style. Grand Vision for FDR Presidency. Art of the Possible. Those are the headlines over at Drudge Report, which, as you'll recall, used to be a critic of presidents who are of the left side of the aisle. Now, the Drudge Report is apparently joining the stenography club over at the over at the Democratic press establishment outlets. By the way, Joe Biden couldn't get through this press conference without notes. Okay, he was he was reading from actual podium notes throughout the press conference. He had a binder. He was reading from a briefing book at the press conference because he cannot be trusted to go out there and simply riff on topics. Not because, like President Trump, he makes wild statements or wild generalizations, but because he literally is unable to speak with coherence on a topic for more than five minutes. It's an amazing thing. Amazing thing. Here was Chris Wallace pointing this out. Hey, Chris Wallace, again, no opponents of Joe Biden's. Chris Wallace has been fairly warm toward Joe Biden. Here's Chris Wallace from Fox News. It seemed on every foreign policy question, not the others, but on foreign policy, he went to his briefing book like Jen Psaki does uh, sometimes in the briefings and was reading, uh, obviously, White House guidance, White House talking points, uh, covering Ronald Reagan for six years. I never saw that. Uh, watching a lot of news conferences over the years, I've never seen that. A president in a news conference reading talking points. Remember, Ronald Reagan was a dullard actor who was in decline, according to the press. And Donald Trump was a patently insane person who was in decline, according to the press. And Joe Biden, who's clearly in decline, is completely with it. He is sharp as a thumbtack. According to the New York Post, however, a newspaper that is not in the pocket of the Democratic Party, President Biden appeared to repeatedly lose his train of thought early on in his first press conference as Commander-in-Chief Thursday, asking reporters if they wanted him to go into detail in his answers, forgetting questions, relying heavily on cue cards from a binder he brought along. The president took 10 questions at the 62-minute presser, repeatedly consulting his binder before calling on the next reporter. By the way, when the Washington Post suggested he took 29 questions, they meant that he took like little follow-ups from the same reporters. But overall, he filibustered a bunch of these questions. He would be asked a question. If he didn't want to answer it, he would just ramble for several minutes on completely unrelated topics. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Joe Biden finally gave his first press conference this afternoon. No president has ever waited this long to answer questions in public. And as of just yesterday, we were not still entirely sure it would happen. A reporter at the White House saw Biden ambling around and asked him if he was ready for his first press conference. What press conference, Biden replied. Apparently, in the end, somebody told him. A staffer pointed Biden toward the tape mark on the floor and gave him a shove. Biden shuffled forth and started talking and pausing and then talking some more and then pausing. You've heard the term pregnant pause. Joe Biden's pauses were third trimester quintuplets. These pauses were ready to burst. Here's one of them. So the best way to get something done, if you if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to. Anyway, 
I'm, we're going to get a lot done. Got that, America? We're going to get a lot done. A lot. Of course, we'll get a lot more done and confuse far fewer people if we go ahead and read our policy positions from small pieces of paper that others have painstakingly prepared for us. That way we won't lose consciousness in mid-sentence or accidentally start a war. So when the topic of North Korea arose, Joe Biden knew exactly what to do. He found his piece of paper and he started reading the words that had been written on it. We're consulting with our allies and partners and uh, there will be uh, responses if they choose to escalate. Um, we will respond accordingly. But I'm also prepared uh, um, for some form of diplomacy. That's got to be pretty intimidating to, to the North Koreans, who, of course, are watching it in real time. They've got nukes in Pyongyang now, and that means they probably have cable TV, too. Don't underestimate these people. They're crafty. Of course, the North Koreans were already deeply afraid of Joe Biden. They know that he means business. They remember the time that Biden beat the crap out of the entire Kim family with a chain. He and Nelson Mandela back in 86. You've heard the story. They've lived it. It's part of their lore. And now this. North Korea is facing not just Joe Biden's masculinity, but an entire piece of paper with instructions on it that Joe Biden is perfectly willing to read anytime he needs to. That cue card is Joe Biden's secret weapon in the fight against nuclear proliferation. You can breathe easy, America. And that's good news because we've got problems of our own in this country. One of our biggest problems is voting. It's getting harder and harder to vote. There are some people in America, bigots, let's just call them what they are, who are demanding that we know voters' identities before we let them choose our government. They want people to show IDs at the polls, if you can even imagine, in 2021. These bigots, Joe Biden explained today, are Republicans. And so I'm convinced that we'll be able to stop this because it is the most pernicious thing. This makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. Jim Eagle? Who's Jim Eagle? A comic book hero from the 50s? Some kind of dog-faced pony soldier? We didn't know who Jim Eagle was, so we went scurrying to our Google machines to look it up. Then we realized, duh, we're being way too literal here. It's an analogy. Crow, eagle. They're both birds, but an eagle is much bigger than a crow. That means that asking people to show a driver's license when they vote is much more racist than segregation and lynchings. Segregation and lynchings were Jim Crow. Voter IDs are Jim Eagle. Way worse. And that makes sense when you think about it. Most black people don't have government-issued IDs, and that's why they can't drive cars or fly in airplanes or hold jobs or stay in hotels or go to the doctor or cash checks or sign rental agreements or buy homes or open bank accounts or purchase Sudafed at CVS. Black people can't do any of those things because they don't have IDs. Millions and millions of them don't have IDs, and it's sad, as Joe Biden often points out. Now, you might think the solution to this tragedy would be make it easier for Americans to get IDs, subsidize them if you have to. No, Joe Biden has a better idea. Just make sure that no one ever has to show an ID in order to vote. And that way, the millions and millions and millions of African-Americans who somehow don't have IDs won't feel bad or left out. They still won't be able to drive cars or have jobs or bank accounts or live anywhere, but at least they can vote a lot and the rest of us won't be racist. Problem solved. As Joe Biden just told us, he's going to get a lot done.
and not just in the next four years, by the way, but in the four years after that. Joe Biden is running again. He told us that today, too. By the end of his second term, Joe Biden will be 86 years old. That's a full decade past the life expectancy of the average American man, which for the record, Joe Biden has already exceeded. But there's nothing average about Joe Biden. Time improves him. Like certain varieties of artisanal cheese, Joe Biden is meant to be aged. He just gets sharper and more pungent. His next campaign will be even tastier. Watch. Have you decided whether you are going to run for re-election in 2024? You haven't set up a re-election campaign yet, as your predecessor had by this time. <laughs> My predecessor need to, needed to. <laughs> My predecessor. Oh, God, I miss him. Um, no, an answer is yes. My plan is to run for re-election. That's my expectation. My plan is to run for re-election. Now, we weren't in the room when Joe Biden said that, but according to those who were, there was an audible gasp of horror from behind the curtain. Sources said it sounded very much like Kamala Harris. We can't confirm that, but we can tell you that Joe Biden has already picked a theme for his next campaign. The theme is unity. Now, wait a second, you might be thinking. Wasn't unity the theme of Biden's last campaign, the one that just ended in November? Yes, it was. But that wasn't enough unity. There is more unity on the way, ladies and gentlemen. Bucket loads of it. Tractor trailer loads full. Imagine every swimming pool in Malibu topped to the brim with unity and then add all the pools in Bel Air. That's how much unity we're talking about. And by unity, of course, we mean policies that make Americans hate each other much more than they ever have. That's what Joe Biden has given us so far, and soon we'll have more. The third reason I said I was running was to unite the country. And generically speaking, all of you said, no, you can't do that. Well, I've not been able to unite the Congress, but I've been uniting the country based on the polling data. We have to come together. Oh, the polling data, the real currency of Washington. Now, we haven't checked the polling data ticker today, but we have to tell you that we approached this one specific claim with some degree of skepticism. Not every one of Joe Biden's unifying policies has fully unified the country just yet. There are still some crotchety holdouts deep in the American interior who aren't fully sold on his fresh new program of being humiliated, berated, disarmed, and taxed into poverty and powerlessness. Those people are bigots, obviously. They're probably friends with the snake-handling evangelical freaks who complain when some dude shows up at their eight-year-old daughter's locker room. But whatever, you can't please everyone. You know who you can please, though, if you're Joe Biden? The media. The reporters are highly pleased. They're one group that remains utterly united in their love and support of Joe Biden, and the polling data show it. Joe Biden knows this well, but he's not pandering to reporters. Joe Biden is bigger than that. It's not like the Washington Post is a credit card company from Delaware. He doesn't need to slobber on them. So today, Joe Biden explained that despite his massive successes on our southern border, the ones you're seeing on TV, he is not ready to show reporters exactly what he's doing down there. That's for him to know and them to find out. We haven't seen the facilities in which children are packed together to really give the American people a chance to see that. Will you commit to transparency on this issue? I will commit to transparency. And as soon as I am in a position to be able to implement what we're doing right now. Well, that's kind of unusual. You don't often hear a politician admit that he's rejecting openness and embracing secrecy. They usually lie about that, but not Joe Biden. Biden tends to say the unspoken things out loud. 
We're as opaque as a shower curtain, he told the press corps today, and there's nothing you can do about it. It's pretty provocative. Of course it is. But provocative in a way that reporters enjoyed. They're naughty, those reporters. They like to be teased. Deny them what they ask for, and they want more. Here's a lady from state media, National Public Radio, flush with wonder as she describes the remarkable personal qualities of her boss, Joe Biden. You've said over and over again that immigrants shouldn't come to this country right now. This isn't the time to come. That message is not being received. Instead, the perception of you that got you elected as a moral, decent man is the reason why a lot of immigrants are coming to this country and entrusting you with unaccompanied minors. <laughs> when you call a man moral and decent in your question to him, it kind of sets the frame, as they say. But the bottom line is a moral, decent man is running this country, ladies and gentlemen. That's the message of unity. And by the way, it's a required message. So repeat it to yourself five times and then repeat it to everyone you know. If you don't, you're racist. One you just got to laugh at this shit. You don't have a fucking choice. I mean, what are you going to do? This guy is a fucking... He's a bundle of fuck. He's a bundle of fuck. There's, there's nothing you could possibly tell me to say that, that he, is, he is remotely there. Because he's not. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's a fucking soup bone. And that's our president. That's our fucking president. WAPO actually root against itself. Margaret Sullivan and Jennifer Rubin tell White House press corps not to ask Joe Biden's uncomfortable question. Margaret Sullivan, Biden's first news conference Thursday, is a big test for him, but it's a bigger test for the White House reporters. My column, same as Lockhart. Gray Conley, imagine the level of solicitude for Trump when he was president. This preemptive toadying by Sullivan view would shame North Korea. Verald Metchis, this is a person who wrote four years ago that Trump's election meant it was time for journalists to get back on their jobs. <laughs> Jennifer pro-voting Rubin, the notion that Biden triggered an onslaught of juveniles from desperate situations by saying, do not come now, is flat wrong. If media figures had taken a moment to catch their breath, they might have examined how implausible it is that a president's phrasing of words would drive parents to send their children thousands of miles under life-threatening condition. They seem determined to create the same level of emotion and conflict, an administration that is emotionally contained, and de-escalate conflict. The administration is worried. No, it's struggling. No, make that besiege. Simply repeating the hyperventilation of Republicans desperate to change the subject from the American Rescue Plan is not journalism. Don't hurt Biden. Don't hurt him. Don't ask him tough questions. Don't make us look bad. This is why it took all these days to get out there. They know he can't do it. He doesn't have a mastery of the information. I mean, you could say Trump was a douche nozzle. He was a fuck stick. You could say all the things you say about him. But he didn't have picture fucking graphics on who to call. Jennifer Rubin says President Biden was about a mile over the low bar set for Trump. Susan Glasser, both Trump and Putin have spent many months suggesting Biden could not answer simple questions. Saying the bar is so low for him, he does not even need to jump over it. Jennifer Rubin, his answers are remarkably long, detailed, fact-filled. He's about a mile over the low bar. No, he was doing it. So he went out to answer the fucking question. It's what Obama did, too. They just filibuster.
Washington Post, Biden excels in his first news conference. The media embarrasses himself. Stacy, to think Jen Rubin wrote this and is not embarrassed. Amazing how you can tell it's a Rubin piece without even clicking. Biden excels. The media reporters have shown why these events are an utter waste of the president's time. Same person who literally said they need more access to Trump. Why aren't we doing press briefs? Phil, Yamichi and Jennifer Rubin are currently fighting in Rubin's mentions. Yamichi makes a statement on proving that his words set off the surge. This is factually wrong. Perhaps you haven't interviewed migrants and asked them the question, but reporting bears out what I said, which is that some migrants are coming because of perception that President Biden is more humane and allowed to unaccompanied minors. I'm not going to go into all the tweet thread. I just want you to know, that's how sycophantic the conservative reporter for the Washington pieces about Biden. How dare you even ask him a question? This is the woman who got up and said, you're so decent and moral. She's a fuck-up. That's how bad our press is. She's a fuck-up. NBC Journo, Jonathan Allen. Biden is knocking this out of the park so far. One person's per sheep, Jay Shakar. You can't be this stupid, can you? This is a disaster. The White House called a lid. Have a nice afternoon and evening, everyone. 2.26 p.m. People said the president needs a sippy cup. Molly Hemingway. The media performance in this is mostly unspeakably horrific. My goodness, are they corrupt. This was easily the most painful president brief conference I've ever seen. Difficult to watch. Biden struggled horrifically. Bad questions from compliant and corrupt and meek partisan media. They literally put this up. The cheer squad. From fucking SNL. That's what they are. Unlike any press conference I've ever seen, pre-scripted reading answers. White House instructs federal agencies to refer to the current administration as Biden-Harris administration. And I put it there because it's coming. They know it's coming. They're not going to be able to keep the charade up that he isn't senile, has Alzheimer's, has no clue what the fuck he's talking about. They're eventually going to have to dump him. And that's why they put Camilla there. So that way they can say, we, the American people, voted for a black uh, Indian, whatever the fuck she is, woman that's not really black. Okay. Even Chris Wallace, a guy who's been sucking Biden's taint, said it was fucked up. Even he said it. But my favorite is Dave Rubin. Bridget Gabriel, oh my goodness, this is so embarrassing. I swear this is unedited. Shortly after that, he stares off in space for what felt like an eternity. Highly uncomfortable to watch. The wheel is spinning, but the hamster is dead. Is this real? Is this real? Dave Rubin, can we call this the biggest political scandal in decades yet? Or nah? And here's his compilation. So the best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to, anyway, I've, we're going to get a lot done. And if we have to, if there's complete 
lockdown and chaos as a consequence of the filibuster, then we'll have to go beyond what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, hang on. Uh, sorry. Oh, Singman, Ms. Kim. So the best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to, anyway. I'm, we're going to get a lot done. So thank you, Mr. President, for your confidence. Well, thank you. Thank you. We're willing to do it. Um, now we're going to get down to business here. And, uh, and uh, Ron, who am I turning this over to? Well, I, well uh, thank you very much, Mr. President. I think it's uh, time for the question. Our president has to leave, though. Thank you. I don't care how much you hated Trump. That's not normal. This is the biggest scandal ever. He was not able to do the job. Everybody knew it. The media covered it up. He hid in his basement. Then they changed 80 voting laws, didn't talk about policies. The rest is history. I just always say the same thing. I hope all you never-Trumpers and conservatives who vote against Trump because he's so bad for the country are looking at yourself in the mirror going, what the fuck did I do? Because he's not in charge of the country. The far left is. So good job. Trump was so bad. Yeah. But while we're on press conferences, let's just go straight into this. This blatant, they don't care. So this was a thing this week, and you saw the montage of how fucking horrible he is. He wouldn't put on a mask, even though he's got the vaccine, whatever. It would make us feel better. He just dogs the shit out of her. Well, the interesting thing is Seth Meyers spent five minutes saying it's all Republicans. They played the game. And then yesterday... Nothing. Nothing, Burger. Nothing. And then in the very same week that this goes on, he's a douche nozzle, CNN is reporting now. Dr. Robert Redfield, senior advisor for Maryland's COVID-19 response, tells CNN he believes the virus likely escaped from a lab in Wuhan, China, spreading through an infected lab. That was anti-Asian xenophobic misinformation just three months ago. female military member dies after COVID-19 vaccine showed no side effects. No coverage. And then the big one. And I could play the sound bites from back in the day. But during this week, it shows that Cuomo let his brother and important people get testing when people couldn't get testing. Amy Batane. They were known as specialists or VIPs last year. Governor Cuomo arranged for his family, including CNN host and brother Cuomo, Chris Cuomo, to get home visits from New York health staffers who administered scarce COVID-19 tests and rushed them to lab via state troopers. 
Separately, nurses working from the state were dispatched in two-person swabbing teams to test dozens of VIPs, some living in penthouses in Manhattan. According to one person with drug knowledge, those tests were then driven to the Wadsworth lab for expedited processing. Name of the VIPs and specials were closely held by an assistant working for State Health Commission, Howard Zucker, and observed through the expedited testing process, even though, or often though, the use of numbers or letters, initials, or even aliases in some cases were used. One of the most powerful moments of Governor Cuomo's briefing today is when he talked about his best friend, Chris, coming up positive. And none of us even thought, you know, we never thought to say, what, 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 what? What? There's two worlds now. You're woke. Do what you want. Laws don't apply to you. Bail doesn't apply to you. And then yesterday we covered the Georgia law, now S1, and is the media on board with this? If there's any lack of confidence in our voting system, it's because politicians have been pushing the big lie. They are using the lie about voter fraud as a pretext for voter suppression. This is Jim Crow Redux in new clothes. There is no reason for this. What we saw was black voters all across the country standing up, other voters of color, young people, women, students, and they made a difference in the election. And to those who call it Jim Crow 2.0 or Jim Crow in a suit and tie, you say? That is just sad that someone would stoop to that type of name calling. We want everybody to have a chance to vote. And up next on the readout, voting rights are under attack all across this country. And then there's Ted Cancun Cruz. He wants fewer people to vote, basically admitting today that if all eligible voters actually vote, Democrats will win elections for the next 100 years. Minority leader Mitch McConnell dismissing Democratic legislation that would roll back draconian suppression legislation that is sweeping through Republican legislatures across the country. Apparently, the Kentucky senator has spent so much time in his shell that he missed the roughly 250 bills in 43 states that are targeting black, brown, AAPI, and young voters, nearly everywhere that the GQP has legislative control. Mitch's willful ignorance of the fact is a recurring theme for him. Just yesterday, this native of Sheffield, Alabama, born in the 1940s Deep South as Addison Mitchell McConnell Jr., claimed that the filibuster, a Jim Crow relic, has no racial history. McConnell and his Republican cohorts are mounting a frankly hysteria-laced and basically fact-free campaign against a number of popular pieces of legislation, including the For the People Act, which would expand voting rights and roll back the repressive measures that Mitch's fellow Republicans are passing in the states. Republicans who are better at cutting taxes for the rich than they are at passing meaningful legislation for the working class have called this bill a power grab. They're getting backup from West Virginia Democrat Joe Manchin, who told reporters that he did not want to pass voting legislation solely along party lines. But we are at the point in the game when Joe Manchin is essentially saying he will not allow anything to pass unless Republicans are on the bill. When I say pressure will be brought to bear, I mean on Democrats, not on Republicans. They made up, made the determination that um, they can't win elections. Call to action in the wake of that shooting and the tragedy in Georgia, President Biden...
This Congress to tighten gun laws, but already facing pushback from top Republicans. In a sharply divided Washington, can anything get done? Facing the second mass shooting in just six days, President Biden is pushing Congress to tighten gun control laws. And he hinted if that does not happen, the president may take executive action. Pushing for what he calls common sense steps to save, li save lives in the future. The types of stricter gun laws that polls show Americans widely support. But as Mr. Biden knows well, the proposals face a wall of opposition almost entirely among Republicans. And here we are now, mass shootings, Colorado, Atlanta, a week apart. And unfortunately, it's become routine for us. After mass shootings, we see a new call for gun control. President Biden calling for immediate action now. The reality here is Democrats just do not have enough votes to get this through Congress. The White House is going to face an uphill challenge. Bottom line, they just do not have the numbers. President Biden wants to ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines, but he faces a steep uphill battle in the Senate. CBS News has learned the Biden administration is now exploring options to bypass Congress on gun reform if lawmakers do not act. President Biden is calling for a return to 90s-era gun restrictions. We can ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. One big change? Democrats now control the Senate. A rare sighting in the Senate today, both the majority leader and the minority leader appearing as special expert witnesses. It's all part of the debate over the Democratic plan that Republicans say will nationalize elections. Congressional correspondent Chad Pergram has the story. It's been seven years since the Senate majority leader and minority leader both testified at the same hearing. It speaks volumes about why this voting measure consumes the two sides. We're going to hear that this bill, GASP, register Americans to vote, is a Democratic power grab. This is clearly an effort by one party to rewrite the rules of our political system. Voting rights are sacrosanct. They must be inviolable. It's an invitation to chaos. Democrats say that's exactly why this bill is necessary. Let me tell you what chaos is. Chaos is purging names of longtime voters from a voter list. Democrats fear Republican state legislatures curbing voting access. The shadow of Donald Trump falls dark and large over this caucus when they act like that. Republicans contend this bill enhances voter fraud. It requires states offer more than two weeks of early voting and permit online registration. But the bill's supporters say they don't have problems back home. We have same-day registration, no excuse absentee voting, no voter ID, and no fraud. Republicans note the Constitution says voting methods are left to the states. Why in the world would we give up state control of our elections to the federal government? The bill is S-1, as in Bill 1. Republicans argue that says a lot about Democrats' priorities. It's keeping Democrats in power for 100 years. Everyone's watching West Virginia Democrat Joe Manchin. He says the bill has good things, but worries about stoking mistrust in the voting system. Even if Democrats stick together, they lack the votes to kill the filibuster. Democrats are now mulling nixing the filibuster on all bills, be it for guns or S-1.
both big promises to liberals. He also called for the reform of the Senate filibuster, which has been used expertly by Mitch McConnell to kill Democratic legislation since the Obama-Biden years. Biden says the system has been abused, and he warned Republicans that he could back efforts to gut the filibuster, agreeing that it is a relic of the old Jim Crow South. President Biden faces tough questions ranging from immigration to voting rights at his first press conference in office. Why he calls the Republicans' election push un-American. Mr. Biden grew fiery yesterday when asked about Republican efforts in states like Georgia to restrict voting. It's sick. It's sick. Are you worried that if you don't manage to pass voting rights legislation, that your party is going to lose seats and possibly lose control of the House and the Senate in 2022. What I'm worried about is how un-American this whole initiative is. Saving his harshest words for Republicans in state legislatures across the country for attempting to limit voting rights. What I'm worried about is how un-American this whole initiative is. It's sick. Republicans in some swing states are pushing to tighten voting laws after the 2020 election, which Democrats say will restrict voting rights, especially for communities of color. His harsh message to those seeking to change voting laws. What I'm worried about is how un-American this whole initiative is. It's sick. The issue of voting rights also clearly struck a nerve with President Biden after states like Georgia passed these sweeping changes to election laws. There are Democrats saying that those changes are aimed at disenfranchising minority voters. The president called these efforts, TJ, sick. The president said he thinks the filibuster is a legacy of the Jim Crow era. Did he think that it was a legacy of the Jim Crow era in 2005 when he defended the filibuster and said altering Senate rules to help one political fight or another could become standard operating procedure, which in my view would be disastrous. Well, Peter, one of the things he talked about yesterday was the fact that between 1917 and 1971, the filibuster was used about 58 times. Last year- Go ahead. Um, I have a question about the Iowa second congressional district race. Mm -hmm. um, four Republican senators in a letter to corporations are calling the battle for the to, for Democrats to take back the seat an unacceptable attempt to undermine a legitimate democratic process. Does the president agree with their assessment? I believe the, that the, the process that is outlined uh, by the House of Representatives is what's being followed here to ensure every vote is counted. Um, so, no, he wouldn't agree with that. Now, remember how they act about the Georgia law. Oh, they lost their fucking shit. Just lost it. In there, you'll see some pushback finally from GOP because they're fucking useless. Um... Roy Blunt just nuked the Democrats by asking a Dem witness why Utah law removing dead voters based on Social Security numbers was voter suppression. Witness, because the federal government makes mistakes, Blunt. So why do you feel want feds to run elections? Exactly. Why? If you don't like Georgia changing local laws, you're changing everybody's laws. Dem Senator Elizabeth Warren presently peddles irresponsible and dangerous conspiracy theory about Georgia while she's pushing for S1. Because, yeah. And then, behind the deals, President Biden has nominated Gail Manchin, Senator Joe Manchin's wife, to be what is called a key member of his administration to bribe him For the filibuster, because he's against it. 
Biden raked in more than $170 million in dark money in 2020 election, almost seven times more than Trump. Now, do the math on that. Really, do the math. But they want to take care of money. It's out of control. It's out of control. And then there's this new soundbite. He's ratcheting it up. He wants to get rid of the filibuster. A guy who used it more than anybody else. The motherfucker was the filibuster. He used it over and 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 over. over. That's what he did. New York Times joins Biden to cry GOP's un-American limits on voting. Prove who you are. That's un-American. Yet we have this. But the American people sent us here to be their voice. They understand that those voices can at times become loud and argumentative, but they also hope that we can disagree without being disagreeable. And at the end of the day... To repeat, the filibuster is a relic of Jim Crow. It's not in Constitution. It was existed since 1806. It was last modified in the 70s. It takes 67 votes to change it pursuant to the rules. The left wants to jam through changes. 51-50. Most media in the left supports. And everybody's saying, hey... I believe Obama word for word. CNN, at least 45 states have seen bills aimed at voter suppression. It's a lie. Cleaning up voter rolls and making somebody prove who they are is not voter suppression. Molly Hemingway or Dan Crenshaw, showing an ID is not voting restrictions. Just stop. Molly Hemingway, in Democrat media defense, showing ID is absolutely a restriction on fraudulent voting. Maybe that's why they don't like it. And that's the only reason I can think about it. Senator Tim Scott, Ryan Strzok. Senator Tim Scott, it was a frustrating, irritating moment where the Democrats used filibuster to block a police reform that would have positively impacted disproportionately African-American communities. They were, they were for the filibuster before they were against the filibuster. That just happened a couple months ago. But yeah, yeah, yeah. President Biden says he agrees with former President Barack Obama that the filibuster is a relic of the Jim Crow era. John Roberts, no Trumper. After POTUS denounced the rampant abuse of the filibuster last year, we did some digging. Republicans used it once. Democrats used it 327 times. Three. Hundred and twenty seven times. They always do this. They always do it. That that's what they do. They use the filibuster when they're not in power to stop everything. But when Republicans want to do it, oh no, a fucking obstructionist! You fucking extra obstructionist motherfuckers! And at the back end of my soundbite was what they're doing simultaneously. Nancy Pelosi says if she wanted to be unfair, she wouldn't have seated Republican representatives. So you're welcome. Well, I'm not to be saying if I wanted to be unfair. 
I wouldn't have seated the, Dem- the Republican from Iowa because that was my right on the opening day. I would have just said, I'm queen. Go fuck yourself. But they're trying to take away in an election from a person that was recounted and still had six more votes. They're trying to unseat her. Nothing the media says is true. Nothing the left does isn't about power. It's all about power. They don't give a fuck about voter rights. They don't give two fucking shits about them. They care about owning elections forever. That's what they care about. So let's get on in. I guess this is a little big. Let me shorten that bit. Let's start some border. Jacob, let's begin with you. Um, What's the purpose of uh, letting the media go to, quote, aspirational, close quote, facilities? These are not the facilities uh, that are problematic. We can have fuzzy pictures of uh, unaccompanied minors playing soccer and sitting in classrooms and and stretching and smiling, but uh, that's not the reality, the sort of reality that you've been covering for quite some time. Not exactly sure what the goal was yesterday. Uh, nor I, Joe, honestly. I think that what the goal wasn't was to show the problem, show it clearly and show it uh, transparently, frankly. I'm glad that they let us into those, uh, into that facility yesterday. Gabe Gutierrez uh, had some great reporting uh, and it was good to see the conditions uh, there and hear the reports firsthand from him. But that's not Donna, Texas, uh, where there's over a thousand percent overcrowding in their processing center today. Uh, it's certainly not Yuma, Arizona, where I'm on my way to the second most crowded sector. Uh, along the border in those processing uh, facilities. Uh, and, and really, it doesn't do much to explain to us what a fair, safe, and orderly uh, immigration system looks like that the administration says uh, rhetorically that they want to set up. And I think that there's a, a short-term conversation to have about that. And then the longer-term conversation, which is, uh, how do they depart from 30-plus years of deterrence and punishment uh, that included Barack Obama's presidency, uh, Trump, obviously, worse than ever before with family separations, uh, and now Biden, who is still using some of the same types of facilities along the border uh, to hold kids that, that of course, uh, nobody was happy about during the previous administration nor during the, the Obama administration. Hey, Jacob, uh, no one knows the situation at the border better than you do. You spent so much time there in, in recent years. And you're right, nothing from yesterday is going to silence these questions about the conditions there. From your reporting, people that you've talked to, what sort of timetable do you think we're looking at here for there to be actual substantial change to what we're seeing, you know, we're seeing or, should we say, hearing about what are in those facilities with the overcrowding and, and, and the children lined in? Is there any sort of plan...
So, so this um, is no crisis at the border, right? This is, and look at this. Right. And this is just uh, folks coming across the border, uh, unaccompanied. They're housing them under a bridge. Yes. And uh, we're down here uh, near midnight on uh, Thursday evening. And uh, I've not been here before. Have you been here? Uh, I was here two years ago, and it bears no resemblance. We were controlled. Is spending more time helping these families while criminals are bringing drugs and illicit materials into the United States. They don't have the resources to stop the illegal flow because the administration is allowing this flow that we see behind us. It's inhumane. And when they had the stay in Mexico policy, it was this at 45 year record lows where you did not have this. We've so. heard it from so many people, Border Patrol agents, say there's no, there's nothing like this in, in years. We have people being housed underneath a bridge. I could put up the pictures again of the kids in cages and all that shit. Not gonna. Those last two are Republicans and they wouldn't be considered firebrands. Giddy photographer allegedly removed from the border by local law enforcement under order from the Biden administration. I respectfully asked the White House to stop the media border ban. I took these photos of migrants walking up from the border. I was later removed by local law enforcement saying they were under orders from the U.S. Customs and Border Protection. The White House yesterday allowed one video camera into a sanitized detention facility, but no stills photographer so no photographs meanwhile most border area near the rio grande are completely off limits to get it and hit the point home a nine-year-old immigrant drowned as her family attempted to cross the rio grande into texas on march 20th u.s customs and border protection announced that's this march 20th back in uh 2019 this photo of a dead father and daughter shows the true nature of Trump's immigration policy. The tragic father-daughter photo is a moral stain on Trump's America. Do you remember that? It was everywhere. It was just fucking everywhere. Censor the press? No big deal. CNN, irrelevant if Biden hides border debacle. In that thing... Not really in keeping with the transparency that it prompts terms of leveling with American people, Jake Tapper said. Zelini, well, Jake, I mean, the reality is whether they let the news media in so the public can see, we should always point out that what this is about. American people be able to see the government work here. Whether he does that or not is largely irrelevant because members of Congress on both sides have made it clear that the images they have seen there are unacceptable. So we don't need to make a big deal out of this, and we don't need to ask questions, and we don't need to lose our fucking minds. We just need to let it go. We just let him have a go. Once again, this was Trump. Well, the images suggest those of concentration camps. The Statue of Liberty, I think, is weeping right now. There's no denying that this is an incredibly complex humanitarian issue that's, of course, made even more difficult by the fact that we're dealing with this in the midst of a pandemic. He will be forever remembered as the president who traumatized little children. A lot of these children are part of a problem that the Biden administration inherited from the Trump administration. The system is broken inside of the country. Increasingly, Donald Trump is turning this nation into Nazi Germany and turning these into concentration camps. I call this a concentration camp for kids. Obviously, this is a problem that the Biden administration inherited from the Trump administration. Babies in jail, babies in baby cages. Challenges facing U.S. Border Patrol amid this migrant surge. Babies 
in jail. A very, very tough situation that the Biden administration now needs to contend with. Something that's very difficult for the federal government to deal with at the border. Children are being marched away to showers. I know they're being marched away to showers, just like the Nazis. You have a lot of border agents, I mean, we know the union was very pro-Trump, who are now starting to just leak out videos un anonymously, which can be very dangerous where we don't know where things are coming from. We begin this afternoon with the wails of children. I mean, for fuck's sake, today I could have started with Acosta screaming and yelling at the president in a press conference. This first one. Statue of Liberty is weeping. Now we don't even know what the fuck's going on, but nobody seems to care. Health and Human Service asked Pentagon to house Migrant Texas at two bases. Why would we put illegal immigrants when we have found actual terrorists at the border on a military base with our latest weapon systems? Fort Hood. Really? El Paso. Really? John Cooper. Thread, VP Camilla Harris just named the point person to lead the Biden administration response to the border crisis that's created. Let's take a walk down memory lane and look at some of her recent statements about the border, kids, and cages. November 15, 2018, then-Senator Harris compares ICE agents to KKK in congressional hearing. April 6, 2019, the pain and consequences of the human rights abuses that are still happening on our border would be felt by these children, their families, and our country for many years. There are nearly 15,000 UACs in federal custody today. June 2019, Harris tells MSDNC Stephanie Rule, we would not put kids in cages. That didn't turn out to be true. Also said it's inhumane and intolerable to return unaccompanied minors, their parents, back to their home country. So you can't keep them, can't release them. Circular logic. She's a Democrat. June 25th, 2019. What is happening at the border is a human rights abuse. It is immoral and wrong. Does Harris still think detaining unaccompanied minors is wrong? Because that's her boss's policy. June 28, 2019. What is happening with the detention of these children is a human rights abuse being committed by the United States government. A human rights abuse, which Biden and Harris is now committing at an even greater rate. June 2019 debate. Harris voiced her opposition to deporting illegal aliens if they had not committed a crime. June, July 5th, 2019. Camilla Harris wrote this. As president, I'll immediately put in place a meaningful process to review asylum cases. I'll release children from cages. I'll get rid of the private detention centers. It's time we had a president whose action reflected the value of our country. Harris, July 9th. Now we're seeing human rights abuses being committed by our government on our southern border. July 31st, 2019. These immigrant children at the border have not committed crimes and should not be treated like criminals. These are just some of the things Vice President Harris has said about the border. Some are extreme positions, like bragging about making her state sanctuary state. Others show her political opportunism. She is unfit to handle any response to the border crisis. But the problem is, so is Biden, because he can't even handle a press conference without pictures and a sippy cup. Then we have Ted Cruz at the border. He's now being killed, and you can hear cartel members laughing at him. So it's past midnight. I'm standing on the shore of the Rio Grande. The water is right behind me. I'm down 
on the Texas border, along with 18 senators, we made the trip to see the crisis that is playing out. We've already gone to detention facilities that are overrun, many of them with families, small children. We saw multiple mothers who were nursing infant babies who had just crossed over and were being housed in outdoor holding pens where they were sleeping on the floor and nursing their babies. We're at the edge of the river. On the other side of the river is Mexico. The other side of the river we have been listening to and seeing cartel members, human traffickers, right on the other side of the river, waving flashlights, yelling and taunting Americans, taunting the Border Patrol, because they know that under the current policy of the Biden administration, they can flood over here. They're getting paid four or $5,000 a person to smuggle them into this country. And our policies, when they smuggle them in, the Biden administration releases them. And more and more and more. Last month, 100,000 people came across the border illegally. We've got 15,000 kids in federal government custody. This is a humanitarian crisis. It's a public health crisis. The illegal immigrants who are being released, they're testing positive for COVID-19 at a seven times higher rate than the American population. And it's a national security crisis. And it's time for the Biden administration to put an end to it and stop sanctioning lawless chaos on our southern border. I see the, see the uh, shoreline right over there. Yeah, that's Mexican. You can see there's three smugglers right there standing on the Mexican side, looking at us. They've been shining their flashlights at us. They're yelling at us. Remember, they move them like fucking the coyotes and the cartel move them like inventory. They got bands. People who, who fucking paid, people who didn't pay. Just laughing at us. Because we're a joke. We're a joke. We're just a huge fucking joke. Lindsey Graham. Last night at the U.S.-Mexico border, migrants are not trying to avoid detection. They're trying to get caught. There's a loophole in our law which incentivizes bringing six-year-old children with you to the border. It's a humanitarian tragedy and literally insane policy. We are the only people in the world. I can show you all sorts of pictures. So many people went down there. Of course, the media is making a big deal about it. But at least they didn't go to empty fucking parking lots and take photos like AOC. You guys made that like, oh, that's awesome. Senator Ted Cruz sees a reason AP article should be tagged. I'm Joe Biden. I approve this message. Ted Cruz, live footage from the banks of the Rio Grande. We encountered a human trafficker and cartel. Watch an example. The AP has instructed his employees not to refer to what's happening on the border as a crisis, but Beckett Adams says it's absolutely a crisis. In the interest of informing the public and being fully transparent as a way to inform other editors, this is the internal memo I received from the AP. Four tweets to follow. Subject from the Standard Center, a note about current increase in border security. And it just breaks down what you're going to say. Fuck it. Let's read this shit. This is our media. In a fucking nutshell. With colleagues, with immigration and border back 
in the news is especially imperative for the AP to consider use accurate and neutral language and coverage along with giving proper context to border numbers given the political rhetoric on the topic. Neutral now. We're neutral. There's been a rise in unaccompanied minors crossing the border in the last two months since the start of the Biden administration. This follows a monthly increase of border crossings each month since April, the last eight months of Trump presidency. Migrants has waxed and waned in recent years. The variability is tied to changing economic and political conditions as people decide blah, blah, blah. Current many migrants turn themselves into the border officials aiming to apply for asylum. Unaccompanied minors are generally released to sponsors after some time in government custody after the parents and other relatives pending asylum application. Single adults are generally expelled under the pandemic-related authority, continued policy of Trump administration that relied on public health law. Cases involving families are handled in a mixed manner. Let me get to the next one. Uh, crisis. The current event in the news is sharp increase to the arrival of unaccompanied minors, a problem for border officials, a political challenge for Biden, and a dire situation for many migrants to make the journey, but it does not fit the classic dictionary definition of a crisis, a turning point in the course of anything, derisive of a crucial time, stage, or event, or a time of a state of affairs involving great danger or trouble, even one would threaten to resolve in unpleasant consequences. Therefore, we should avoid or at least be highly cautious about referring to the present situation on a crisis on our own, although we may quote others using the language. And using the word crisis, we need to ask, what and to whom? Because the migration is such a hot-button issue, we also should try to avoid imagery conjuring war or natural disaster, which should portray migrants as a negative, harmful influence even though they are to our economy. Avoid emotive words like onslaught, tidal wave, flood, inundation, surge, invasion, army, march, sneak, or stealth. As neutral as possible while backing up our characterization with numbers and facts. So, for example, Biden is contending with a large number of migrant encounters at the border since the fourth month streak in 2019. It is among the largest number of unaccompanied children encountered at the border on record. Overcrowded detention facilities have sent U.S. authorities scrambling for space prompt the administration to dispatch FEMA to the border. Using words like rise, increase, upturn, uptick, fall, decrease, or downturn is legitimate. Remember, the wordsmiths, that's what they do. Use words to keep the narrative. Other points. We should mention our stories the Biden administration has clamped down on journalists' access to the border operation and to the holding centers for migrants, making it harder to know the reality of what's going on at the border. It has canceled the long practice of ride-alongs to journalists at the border and other agents. In making decisions on language to use in our stories, we should consult with people of a variety of backgrounds and opinions and consider a wider range of viewpoints and criteria. Oh, now we should! We should explore widely all perspectives on this controversial issue. The United States historically has taken in more migrants than any country in the world, and debates on the proper level of immigration to m- permit have been engaged, e- engaging experts and policymakers for decades. In other words, the current situation of the border is just one chapter in the continuing saga. So basically, shut your fucking mouths. Don't hurt Biden. Would we be surprised with any of this? It's like a light switch. 
The switch was off for eight years with Obama. It came back on and went into hyper overdrive to get Trump out of office. And then we shut the switch off. Don't ask him hard questions. Don't press him. Don't call it a crisis. Don't say he's fucking up. Don't say he's lying. And whatever you do as we go into shootings, push the fucking narrative. And Colorado is a place where it's happened quite frequently. So our, our local our local rules, local laws, uh, enough to get a handle on this? It's, it's not enough. We really do need Congress to act. You know, this is not an, the time for, for prayers and thoughts. This is a time for federal leadership. And we need Congress to do their job because I can only govern within the borders of the state of Colorado. And right now we have this patchwork approach as relates to gun safety reform measures. So you can go to Wyoming, you can go to Utah, wherever, and the laws may be different. We need to have some standards that comes from the federal government as relates to universal background checks. I mean, most people support that. And so I'm not quite sure what's the holdup. It's not too early to be talking about these things and it's not too late. We need Congress to act now. I think the holdup is the amount of money that gets poured into into Congress. Uh, Chris, and I know I asked you this before, but let me rephrase it. Um, do you need more money? Second, the people who suddenly decry politics when a shooting happens are the same people who put guns in their political ads or proudly display guns in their backgrounds during political events, like they're zooming in from a remote hideout in the woods during a zombie apocalypse. I mean, look at that. That's insane. I don't care how you feel about guns casually showing off a bunch of killing machines like this is demented. If I accidentally found a room like this at a dinner party, I would make an excuse and leave. Did you find the bathroom okay? Uh, you know, I did. Also, honey, uh, the babysitter called and the boys are not feeling well. And I believe that it is possible, it has to be possible, that people agree that these slaughters have to stop and this is, again, you reject the false choice and stop pushing it for sure. Stop pushing the false choice that this means everybody's trying to come after your guns. That is not what yeah. we're talking about. Expected yeah. someone was behind him. Someone was chasing him. We kept a close eye on him when he was in high school. He would say, someone is chasing me. Someone is investigating me. And we're like, come on, man. There's nothing. He was just closing into himself. So if you hear that and you're investigating this, what do you think? What do you do? Boy, I have two views. Uh, the, the first is be careful. Do we want people who uh, who are friends or family calling federal authorities or state authorities and saying my friend or family shouldn't have a weapon? How are you, how are you supposed to investigate this at the state and, and local or the federal level? That's you know, there's 330 million people. Uh, I think people who say that are saying things that are appropriate, but there's a there's a simpler answer. Look, this will offend you. I'm an American. I'm a proud American. But we live in the United States of arrogance. If you look at educational standards in this country, they are mediocre because we cannot look to Asia and Europe and say somebody has a better way. If you look at access to health care in this country, we are mediocre because we cannot look to Asia and Europe and say other people have better access. We should learn. If you look at violent crime and suicide by weapon and you look at Asia and Europe, we simply look at America and say we're exceptional. We cannot look at other countries and say we can learn. This country has a problem with arrogance, John, and you're seeing it in spades when we're dealing with these uh, violent crimes. What's the law enforcement view of this? This guy was wearing a tactical vest 
had this mod. The NRA tried to tweet out today thinking they were dropping the mic, tweeting out the, the text of the Second Amendment. The text of the Second Amendment includes the words well-regulated, and it talks about militias. It, it is irrelevant to gun reform um, f from what, you know, is being talked about in places like con in, in Congress, in the United States Senate and in the House. Would you like to see the United States Senate get rid of the filibuster in order to pass what, like, 70 percent of even Republicans want universal background checks? Do you think that the Senate should just dead the filibuster so that they can actually pass it. Why, in case, in terms of making change, since it seems intractable at the national level, why don't we go to gun shop owners and say, do you think that this 21-year-old who comes in and wants an AR-15 style weapon, do you think that he looks like he's going hunting with this weapon? Did you him? Um, by the way, do you ever think that people are chasing you? Do you ever hear voices saying that people are coming for you? Do they ever ask questions like that? Because this guy, it sounds like, according to his family, would have answered yes. The the short answer is, in our society, we don't ask those questions. We don't demand of gun shops that they ask those questions. Uh, we have a, a, a perspective in America that there is a right to buy a weapon, absent some compelling and obvious circumstances, and uh, gun shops don't ask those questions. And it's it's very, very painful. Um, and we're we continue to struggle with that. Uh, the latest effort in America is this effort, you know, in individual states at what's called red flag laws, where if there is some indication that someone is mentally not capable of possessing a weapon, the government, the police can go through pretty significant steps to uh, deprive that person of, of the right to bear a weapon, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, pending court hearings and due process, et cetera. But those those laws vary from state to state. And the amount of work that has to be done by law enforcement to actually get such an order from a court uh, can be significant. Asha, how about that? I mean, how onerous would it be to have a gun shop owner just say, by the way, are you hearing voices? Do you ever hear anybody? Do you think people are chasing you? Do you think everybody's watching you? I mean, that. It, it would have weeded out, possibly, this guy. Well, Allison, I, I, I completely agree with, with the concerns that you're mentioning. But based on the law, even asking those questions wouldn't wouldn't allow a buyer to prevent the purchase, uh, at least under federal law. So with mental illness... Um, you know, one of the lessons that came out of that Sandy Hook period, David, was that the, the one of the lessons that came from folks who just wanted even some very moderate uh, gun safety laws was that there can't be a grace period after something like that happens because the emotional reaction of it doles rather quickly we've seen that uh, a country that 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 moves on from this even as americans say in polls that they want some of this legislation some of these measures passed through um, you know, is there anything that the Biden administration is currently taking away from that? Or, you know, even as they address this issue, do they expect that they can't really push forward on this? Well, I mean, you heard right in his very first response to this horrific shooting in Colorado. It, it wasn't just a response 
offering thoughts and prayers, though he did that too, obviously, Brianna, as sort of the consoler in chief. But he made sure to put in this call to Congress for action as well. To your point, uh, proponents of gun safety measures, of gun control measures, have long said that you can't just stop in the moment at thoughts and prayers, that you must uh, absolutely have that call to action to stop this. I mean, I think it's why we also saw the statement that we did just prior to the president's statement from former President Barack Obama, who bemoaned how often he had to come out before cameras as president to deliver a statement on a mass shooting. And here he is uh, four years past his presidency, and he's still issuing statements uh, on this, trying to motivate the action, the break in the politics that has been uh, so completely solidified and calcified against actually tackling this problem. To that montage of bullshit. First, you got Katie. Do you need some more money? The NRA is bankrupt. Bankrupt. And the money's not going to go to get rid of guns. It's going to go to fucking Democratic campaigns, thus her saying it. Then you have Dick Cheese talking about jokey, jokey, mm, you're evil because you own a gun. It pervades even the never Trumps. Remember, I was accused of being a tower shooter. I could be a tower shooter because I own guns. And I don't agree with the latest woke. This is an actual fact check from Instagram. That is the mass shooters from 2019. Look at them. They're not all white people. What's true? The meme was broadly accurate representation of the identities of the known suspect of 2019 incidents in the U.S. that fell under one relatively broad definition of mass shooters. What's false? The meme did not accurately represent the profiles of suspects under several other definitions of mass shooting. Facts. It's all about facts. We don't talk about this fact. And remember, when you go into guns, this is the facts of Asian violence. This is the facts of the left. They're just about you. They don't want you in charge of shit. They don't want you to have a gun. They don't want you to have anything. They just want to run everything. And then I'm going to bring this up, and this is just classic. This is going to go through the many things that were said on CNN during a segment about guns with this black gay guy. And I put his classifications because he's a double woke bingo card dude. There's that one. Why are we willing to tolerate an obscene loss of life? Too many on the right don't have the courage to stand up for our lives, but they'll take away your vote. Really. We can't let deadly gun violence be our normal. The Second Amendment doesn't require us to submit to a lifetime of mass carnage. It's the same old song and dance while Americans are grieving. You know what happens after every mass shooting? Another mass shooting. Every single one of us 
is just playing the odds at this point. You can date like COVID. It's everywhere. Haven't we learned after the year pandemic that life is precious? For help with mental health issues, call the National Suicide Prevention Line. As pandemic restricting are being lifted, the mass shooting are starting again. American is mourning again. And this is the only one I agree with. Holly thinks guns are the problem. Criminals are. Yeah, that's kind of true. Sorry to bust your fucking bubble over there. You can ban everything, but you're not going to get rid of the guns. You're just going to take guns away from normal people. And, and understand, not counting in this, and one of the reasons, the statistics they don't do, like, let, let me find that segment from Ben Shapiro. This is really good. So, naturally, the Biden administration is calling for gun control. Understand, this is all part of their broader pitch, which is that Joe Biden needs to rule the world. This, this, this man who is falling apart, this administration that has 50-plus Kamala Harris in the Senate, is going to try to ram everything they possibly can through. Axios is reporting that now Joe Biden, you know, Captain Propriety, you know, the, the lion of the Senate, this longtime institutionalist, he's now looking at nuking the filibuster. According to Axios, President Biden recently held an undisclosed East Room session with historians that included discussion of how big is too big, how fast is too fast to jam through once-in-a-lifetime historic changes to America. Four things are pushing Biden to jam through what could amount to a $5 trillion-plus overhaul of America and vast changes to voting, immigration, and inequality. One, his full-party control of Congress. Two, his party activists egging him on. Three, he has strong gathering economic wins at his back. And four, he is popular in the polls. Natural, naturally, presidential historian Michael Beschloss, who's a big government hack, told Axios that FDR and LBJ may be the closest analogs to Joe Biden. People close to Biden say he is feeling bullish on what he can accomplish. He is fully prepared to support dashing the Senate filibuster rule to allow Democrats to pass voting rights and other trophy legislation for his party. One, because he loves the narrative that he is bigger and bolder than Obama. It's making him happy. The Obama administration is ticked about this, by the way. Obama is unhappy at this because he wants to be Captain Transformation, but it turns out that it is Biden, the old man, who is coming in and just showing him up. Mitch McConnell says this will create such a fissure between the parties that it will be nuclear winter. But that's that's basically right. By the way, that is really not the risk. The risk is not that nothing gets done in the Senate. The risk is that a bunch of stuff gets done in the Senate and that state governors just say, we are not going to go along with any of this. You want to exacerbate the country's national divides? You want to make sure that red states just stop helping out the federal government? You want to make sure that the country starts to fracture at all of its seams? Do exactly what Joe Biden is doing right now. And by the way, do it on the issue of gun control. If Joe Biden tries to nuke the filibuster in order to cram down federal gun control in complete contravention of the Constitution of the United States, good luck. If you think that citizens of Texas or Alabama or Tennessee or Florida are going to sit still and let the federal government tell them what to do with their guns. The federal government's going to have another thing coming. You want to exacerbate conflict to the point of possible violence? That is the exact way to do it. See, here's the thing that the left needs to understand about gun ownership for people who are not of the far left in the United States. It is a fundamental right in the United States to be able to protect yourself, including with guns. The reason to own guns is to stop people from violating your fundamental rights. And the first sign that your fundamental rights are about to be violated is when someone comes to your door and demands your guns. Okay, so this is a completely self-defeating proposal. Nonetheless, this is exactly what Biden is apparently pushing forward. And now he's talking about nuking the filibuster in order to do all of this stuff. So Jen Psaki announced yesterday that Biden is considering executive action 
on guns. She apparently said, putting in place common sense gun safety measures has been a passion of the president since he was in the Senate. By the way, common sense gun safety measures, that is a euphemism for gun control measures that have no evidentiary backing. Right, like the 1994 assault weapons ban, which studies demonstrate did nothing to stop mass shootings or to decline the rate of homicide in the United States. Apparently, according to Jen Psaki, his, his position on the filibuster has not changed as of yet, but we are considering a range of levers, including working through legislation, including executive action that has been under discussion, will continue to be under discussion. Joe Biden himself came out and called for gun control yesterday. Of course he did. I don't need to wait another minute, let alone an hour to take common sense steps that will save the lives in the future and to urge my colleagues in the House and Senate to act. We can ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines in this country once again. I got that done when I was a senator. It passed. It was law for the longest time. And it brought down these mass killings. We should do it again. No, it did not bring down the mass killings. The evidence on that is scanty to nil. Okay, and again, watching this incoherent president try to push forward a massive gun grab is pretty impressive stuff. Now, by the way, the first, the first notion that you should have that the government is about to invade your rights is when they tell you they're not about to invade your rights. When they assure you that they're not about to come for your wallet, they're coming for your wallet. And when they assure you that they are not coming for your gun, pretty good time to start buying rifles from Bravo company manufacturing <laughs> before the government tries to make it illegal to do so. So when Vice President Kamala Harris says, don't worry, you know, they keep saying we're coming for your guns. Yes, because you keep saying you're coming for our guns. That would be why. I remember when Hillary Clinton said this in 2016. In the 2016 campaign, she was like, they keep saying that I want to come for your guns. I don't want to come for your guns. I just want an Australian gun buyback program. Oh, you mean the mandatory gun buyback program in Australia where they came for the guns like that? Here's Kamala Harris saying, you don't need to feel threatened. All we're going to do is, you know, massive gun legislation. And I believe that it is possible. It has to be possible that people agree that these slaughters have to stop. And this is, again, you reject the false choice and stop pushing it for sure. Stop pushing the false choice mm -hmm. that this means everybody's trying to come after your guns. That is not what yeah. we're talking about. Yeah. Then who's, and I love the, the reporter there. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but then whose guns are you coming after? Who's got, like whose? Whose guns? That should be the question. Not what kind of guns, whose guns? Because what I've noticed is that you are not targeting criminals. Right now, they want felons to vote, but they want you, the law-abiding citizen, not to be able to get a gun. This is the Democratic agenda at this point. Again, the evidence that the 1994 assault weapons ban did a damn thing is just not there. According to the Foundation for, according to the Foundation for Economic Education, these studies demonstrate that there is no evidence assault weapons ban reduced the homicide rate. Between 1994 and 2004, the federal government banned the manufacture, sale, or transfer of assault weapons in large-capacity magazines. A DOJ study found no evidence the ban had any effect on gun violence and stated it should be renewed. The ban that should it be renewed, the ban's effects on gun violence are likely to be small at best and perhaps too small for reliable measurement. Because again, if you're going to look at the kinds of guns that are most frequently used in homicides, they are not long guns. They are not rifles. And they are certainly not rifles that are used in mass shootings. The number of mass shooting homicides involving assault weapons between 2007 and 2017, that's a 10-year period, was 253. The number of total homicides in the United States was 150,000. The number of gun homicides in that period was 104,000. 253 mass shooting homicides involving assault weapons happened during that period. So your notion is that you're going to take the 100 
million, right? There are 100 million long guns in circulation in the United States. And that's what you're going to target? It doesn't even make any sense. Again, the, the, the notion that assault weapons bans somehow generated a, a, an impact on the frequency of mass shootings, it's just not there. The, the prior to the ban, on average, five people were killed with assault weapons in the mass shootings per year. During the ban, the number went down to four. Post-ban, it rose to 22. But mass shootings with assault weapons didn't rise until 2012. That was eight years after the ban ended. In the seven years after the ban, there was an average of four people killed in mass shootings with assault weapons every year. So maybe it turns out it's not the kind of weapon that is the problem. Maybe it turns out that it is a bunch of different factors that are the problem. Okay, but they, they have to lie. Okay, they, they have to lie about how easy it is to get a gun. They have to lie about the threat of mass shootings in American society generally. They have to lie about the efficacy of gun control generally. Because again, if you actually told the truth about the efficacy of gun control, you know where you might be looking. Chicago, Washington, D.C., New York City, L.A. And it turns out gun control there has not been wildly successful. The only thing that has tamped down homicide is heavy policing. It is precisely the opposite of the policy proposals the left likes. Okay, so instead, they just have to maximize the, the way that they talk about the problem. So you'll have Chuck Schumer talking about the epidemic of gun violence. First of all, gun violence is not an epidemic. We actually have been through an epidemic in the last year. An epidemic is defined by the contagiousness and transmissibility of something. Gun violence is not transmissible. It is not an epidemic. It is active individual evil. Those can be tamped down by adding more police force to places that are high crime. But the, the, what Democrats are basically trying to say is that the gun infects you. The gun does not infect you. It is a piece of machinery. It is a tool. But here's Chuck Schumer saying we're going to address the quote-unquote epidemic of gun violence. Republicans seem averse to even wanting to talk about the epidemic of gun violence. Like the start of the COVID epidemic, their strategy is to downplay and hope the problem goes away. This Democratic-led Senate will be different. The Senate is not going to hide. We're going to debate and address the epidemics of gun violence in this country. Okay, but here's the thing. If you look at the number of homicides in the United States over the past 30, 40 years, we've had an unprecedented drop in the murder rate, an unprecedented drop in the United States murder rate since basically 1994. And yet, the idea is that we're now experiencing this mass epidemic of gun violence. The national murder rate in the United States, according to the Death Penalty Information Center, the national murder rate in the United States in 1992 was 9.3 per 100,000 population. Okay, it reached its highs in about that period. It was really high in the, in the late 70s, and then kind of stabilized. And then its modern high was 1991, 9.8 murders per 100,000 residents. Currently, in about 2016, 2017, the lowest it hit was about 2014. 4.5 murder. It went in half. In half. Okay, but the idea is that now it's an epidemic. And again, it is not an epidemic. Garbage. It's just all garbage. I mean, that last soundbite that I played was Chalet. The guy said he put his arms around us. That's who they brought on to talk about guns on the first clip I played. And as he says, we we really don't have that much violence. The violence that we're having, you don't want to talk about. Like seven people shot outside a Philadelphia sports bar, but they're black on black, so we don't count that. That's why they're changing the numbers from three. 
and I don't think I got it in there, but he, he hit a really good Ben Shapiro on the statistics, and they change it because if you get three, it's black on black, and they don't want that. It goes back to that picture. They don't want to talk about the truth. New York City Council approved series of police reforms, including end of ending qualified immunity, so cops will all get sued. Then you saw in our lead-in to guns, Camerano. How onerous would it be to have a gun shop owner just saying, by the way, are you hearing voices? Do you think people are chasing you? Do you think possibly anybody's watching you? Be weeded out possibly uh, this crazy guy. Former USA Today race and inclusion editor claimed mass shootings are always an angry white man says she was let go for challenging whiteness. Hamal Jawari, they fired her. She says it's because of white supremacy. ABC News says Consoler-in-Chief Joe Biden response to mass shooting was a defining moment. They're bringing back the Biden stuff. And somebody showed a guy getting some lotion in his hand and a piece of Kleenex to be a jerk-off, which is just exactly why I do the segment, because that's what they're doing. Twitter, calling Boulder shooter a white Christian terrorist does not violate Misinformation policy. Fox will post anything to strike the Boulder Massacre by a white Christian terrorist. That's that Titus guy. When they pushed it and said, hey, aren't you not supposed to talk about that? No, that's not a violation. But if you said Islamist, oh yeah, you fucked up, Chuck. Because he was. New York Times, Boulder mass shooting suspect identity was previously known by the FBI. Still having articles on it. Mainstream media don't want to cover it. It goes back to what we say at nauseum on this show. You don't enforce the laws that are there because black people... Well, what the fuck's another law going to do? Are you just going to pass the white guy only law? Is that what you're doing? So, ID and background check. K, lefty Uber troll. T-Pain thinks it should be as easy to vote as it is to buy a gun. It shouldn't be easier to buy a gun than to vote. Pass it on. Once again, you have to show proof of identification to buy a gun. The form is filled. I did 4473s. I ran gun stores. It's self-filled out. You check and make a copy of their ID. You call NICS. That's how it's done. If they pass NICS, they get a gun. The only way to change it for mental health is actually to charge people for felony for lying on the form. But we're not going to do that as Ben Shapiro shows us. Who's not asked questions about. It's an unbelievable story from Politico. Okay, reported by Tara Palmieri and Ben Schreckinger. Okay, in Politico. On October 23rd, 2018, President Joe Biden's son Hunter and daughter-in-law Hallie were involved in a bizarre incident in which Hallie took Hunter's gun and threw it in a trash can behind a grocery store, only to return later to find it gone. Delaware police began investigating, concerned that the trash can was across from a high school and that the missing gun could be used in a crime, according to law enforcement officials and a copy of the police report obtained by Politico. But a curious thing happened at the time. Secret Service agents approached the owner of the store where Hunter, a derelict, 
bought the gun and asked to take the paperwork involving the sale, according to two people, one of whom has firsthand knowledge of the episode and the other was briefed by a Secret Service agent after the fact. The gun store owner refused to supply the paperwork, suspecting, correctly, that the Secret Service officers wanted to hide Hunter's ownership of the missing gun in case it were to be involved in a crime, the two people said. The owner, Ron Palmieri, later turned over the papers to the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, which oversees federal gun laws. The Secret Service says it has no record of its agents investigating the incident. Joe Biden, who is not under protection at the time, said through a spokesperson he has no knowledge of any Secret Service involvement. Days later, the gun was returned by an older man who regularly rummages through the grocery store's trash to collect recyclables, according to people familiar with the situation. The incident did not result in charges or arrests. Okay, so just to get this straight, what happened, apparently, is that Hunter, he was dating his brother's widow, I think is the story here, and they, she, for some odd reason, took his gun and threw it in the garbage bin behind a store which is across from a high school. And the Secret Service then went and tried to clean it up. And there will be no charges resulting. These are the same people who are like, we need strict gun laws, guys. Gun laws, we need them. We need strict gun laws so the people who mistreat, mishandle weapons get prosecuted. Unless your name is Hunter Biden, apparently. The gun store incident occurred during a period after Hunter Biden's administrative discharge from the Naval Reserves for his positive cocaine test and his subsequent divorce from his first wife, Kathleen. At the time of the gun incident, Hunter was in a romantic relationship with Hallie, the widow of his late brother, Beau. Apparently, he illegally obtained a gun. He, got a, he, he bought the gun October 12th, 2018. He responded no to a question on the transaction record that asked, quote, are you an unlawful user of or addicted to marijuana or any depressant stimulant narcotic drug or any other controlled substance? Five years earlier, he'd been discharged from the Navy Reserve after testing positive for coke. He and family members have spoken about his history of drug use. Lying on the form is a felony, though prosecutions are extremely rare. So he, it sounds like he bought the gun illegally. That's what it sounds like because there's fairly good contemporaneous evidence that Hunter was not off the sauce. And then he was dating his brother's widow. And apparently the incident began when Hallie searched Hunter's pickup, which was parked at her home in Wilmington because of unspecified suspicions she had. According to a Delaware state police report, inside the truck, she found a 38 revolver. Hallie took the gun to Jansen's Market, a nearby high-end grocery store where the Bidens are longtime regular customers. There, she tossed the gun wrapped in a black shopping bag into a trash bin outside of the store which, by the way, is not the way that you get rid of guns. Just note to the wise, if you have a functional weapon, you know what you don't do to get rid of it. Just toss it in the garbage can, you morons. Later that day, Hallie informed Hunter of what she had done. He instructed her to retrieve the gun, according to the police report. When Hallie returned, she found the gun was missing and reported the issue to the store. Police received calls from the store's general manager, Paula Jansen, and from another person, according to the report. The missing gun caused heightened concern, according to the police report, because the grocery sits across from the Alex DuPont High School. Arriving on the scene, Delaware Stadies retrieved security camera footage from the store, interviewed Jansen, the store manager. Quote, we complied with the police, gave them whatever security footage we could, Jansen told Politico. The FBI also responded. At the time, the FBI was already monitoring Hunter as part of an investigation that remains ongoing and currently focuses on his taxes. No comment from the FBI. In addition to questioning Halley, police called Hunter to the scene. He was questioned outside the store's loading dock area and explained he used the gun for target practice. At one point, two of Jansen's employees, described by the police report as Mexican males, walked past the loading dock area, and Hunter told a police officer the store had some suspicious people working for it. Asked if he was referring to those two staffers, Hunter responded, yeah, probably illegal, according to the report. So he's a racist also. <laughs> he's a drug-addled, gun-toting racist who illegally obtained his weapon. No problems here, guys. Everything is totally fine. The story has all the things, all of them. 
Two Mexican workers walk past. He's like, oh, those are probably illegal. Based on what? The fact that they're of Mexican extraction? And based on the fact that you're apparently a criminal? When a police officer asked Hunter whether the gun had been used in a crime, the officer reported Hunter, quote, became very agitated with me and asked if I was intentionally trying to make him mad. When the officer asked Hunter whether he had been doing drugs or drinking heavily, he said, listen, it isn't like that. I think she believes I was going to kill myself, according to the report. An officer asked Hunter whether he had called his dad. Hunter said, I've, call I've never called my dad for anything according to the police report, which we know is a lie. After being questioned, Hunter retrieved the gun for the case for the gun, which included the gun serial number from Hallie's house, returned to the grocery store and handed it over to the cops. When police questioned Hunter and Hallie, two Secret Service agents arrived. They went to the store where Hunter purchased the gun. The agents showed their badges and ID cards to Palmieri, the store's owner, and asked to take possession of the firearms transaction record Hunter had filled out. She said no. The, 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 the Palmieri said no, I'm not going to do that. The Secret Service left without the, the records and Palmieri handed over the transaction record to the ATF. The ATF spokesperson referred questions to the Delaware Stateies. Jason Hatchell, spokesperson for Delaware State Police, said any freedom of information, uh, any questions about the incident would have to be filed through an, a FOIA request. The St Delaware State Police already rejected Politico's FOIA request for records related to the incident last November. It's It's amazing. Okay, there's been no major media coverage of this because that's what the establishment media will never cover is the fact that Hunter Biden is a derelict and his dad knew about it for years and apparently facilitated the dereliction in a wide variety of cases, including Hunter rushing about the globe, picking up bags of cash in different places. A White House spokesperson said Biden was not aware of any Secret Service involvement in the episode. Just change the, num just change the name Biden to Trump and imagine the size of the scandal. But don't worry. Biden is a good guy. He's a nice guy. So we don't cover what happened with Hunter. By the way, speaking of hypocrisy, authoritarianism, by the way, relies on, on hypocrisy. The Cuomo family also apparently has engaged in an enormous amount of hypocrisy. It turns out, according to the New York Times, Governor Andrew Cuomo's administration arranged special access to government-run coronavirus testing for members of his family and other influential people as the pandemic descended on New York last year. The move to make testing of people closely tied to Cuomo a priority was carried out by high-ranking state health officials, according to one of the people. It happened in March 2020. Testing was still not widely available, but Andrew made sure that his family members had it. Just like our brand new Deputy Secretary of Health and Human Services, Dr. Rachel Levine, ensured that Dr. Levine's mom was not in a nursing home when all the COVID positive patients were being shipped back into the nursing homes. Weird how this seems to keep happening with Democrats, how the rules don't apply to them. The gun control left has no worries about Hunter Biden, a, a drug-addicted derelict, leaving his gun out and then having it thrown in a garbage can behind a high school and lying apparently on his forms about obtaining the gun in the first place. That's totally fine. But you, law-abiding citizen, you need to lose your gun. You can't get a test in New York in March 2020, but you know who can. If your last name is Cuomo, you can get a test. And then you can go on national TV and you can hang out with your bro and talk about the size of your nostrils and did mom love you best? Yes, we need to give more, more power and control to these folks. More power and control. Top down, they're going to fix everything and they care about you. They don't care about their own. They care about you. They're just caring and nice and wonderful. Amazing, amazing stuff. All righty. That's everything about guns you need to say right up front. He lied on the form. He threw the gun away. If you're an important person, well, we're going to take care of you. We're not going to charge you, which is what they're doing for African-Americans because it's racist to charge an African-American for a stolen gun. It just happened in the NFL. A guy got caught with a stolen gun. Ain't nothing going to happen to him. He's black. So the Biden administration, everything's done on race. 
If you're white, you go to jail. If you're not, go fuck yourself. If you're Biden's son, you can toss a gun. You can go, we'll go to the gun shop trying to get the fucking paperwork. But yeah, in that thing, fill it mud. America for not embracing other countries' more restrictive gun laws. This will offer you, I'm an American, I'm a proud American, but we live in the United States of arrogance. Vice President Harris said, everyone trying to come after your guns is not what we're talking about. Stop pushing the false choice that it means everybody's trying to come out after your guns. But it's not what we're talking about. Then what are you talking about? Ben Shapiro, then whose guns precisely are you coming after? Because I don't see you restricting your proposed gun laws to non-law-abiding citizens. That's not what we're talking about, narrator. It's exactly what you're talking about. I'm an AR-15, Steve Rothwell says, and they want to ban AR-15s, but they're not coming after my guns? Every time I observe VP talking, all I can think of is how disingenuous she is. Fasuli Spock, Robert Reich, if you're against gun reform, you're not pro-life. Michael McFall, you cannot be pro-life and pro-AR-15 at the same time. Talking points are handed out. Then simultaneously, there's no right to carry arms in public. U.S. Appeals Ninth Circuit Court says, in controversial ruling on gun rights state, the Second Amendment of the U.S. Constitution applies to health and home and not the public square. The Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals has ruled. In a 7-4 ruling after the full bench review of the Young v. Hawaii case, the majority argued there is no right to carry arms openly in public, nor is there such right within the scope of the Second Amendment. The famous gun right provision of the U.S. Constitution applies defense of hearth and home, the majority argued, while the government was a power has the power to regulate. Neil Catal, so pleased to report the Ninth Circuit sitting in Blanc has just voted to approve Hawaii's gun control law, which restricts open carry of firearms. The opinion was written by Judge Bybee. I argued the case of the Senate NRA. There was a court of appeals. The Ninth Circuit just ruled there was no right to carry, either openly or concealed. This ruling impacts Alaska, Hawaii, California, Arizona, Oregon, Washington, Montana. This was not an NRA case. So my bro... And Oregon's going to get fucked. No right to have open carry. Remember, all ten Boulder victims were white. It's time to end anti-white race hate. That's what this was. Not gun control. And as you notice, they haven't talked about what he shot people with. It wasn't even the long rifle. He just had a long rifle. Because they haven't talked about it. And the reason why they haven't talked about it is because it was a pistol. They just want to take AR-15s. And they can try banning it, but nobody's going to turn it in. I'm in a sanctuary place. I don't have to worry about it. I ain't turning them in. I'm not turning mine, and my wife's not turning hers, and we both have talked about it. We're going to keep our guns. They're secure, and they're used for target practice, because we enjoy it. It's our right. And after 20 years of serving and going to war for these very same people who didn't support the war I was going for, well, you can suck a dick. You can eat a bag of dicks. You can be a dick. Turn yourself into a big dick. I'm not handing over my guns. Not. Because this is not about safety. It's not about ending mass shootings. 
because I hope I got it in the, in the Ben Shapiro, but the statistic amount of people killed by AR-15s is so fucking low. And when you take and put in the amount of gun crime, it's pistols, it's black on black, it's blue cities with the largest fucking most restrictive policies on guns. And none of those motherfuckers follow it. And then when you catch them with an illegal gun, a stolen gun, or what have you, well, guess what? You don't do anything, because their last name's fucking Biden. So, I had a soundbite of Tiffany Cross. I'm not going to play it. She's dogging uh, Megan McCain, because I guess Megan, oh, let's just fucking play it. We got time. Let, let's just Let's just play it. This morning, I'd like to have a quick conversation about identity politics and a princess called Megan. Nope, not that Megan. Ah, yes, this one, Megan McCain. McCain decided to chide Senators Tammy Duckworth and Maisie Hirono, who expressed their frustration over the Biden administration's shortage of senior Asian Americans. They initially said they would no longer support many of President Biden's nominees before backing off after receiving assurances from the Biden administration that it would elevate Asian American voices. In response, McCain, whose talent, as far as I can tell, is finding great black hairstylists and benefiting from nepotism. Now, understand, they brought that racist on with Joy Reid because they got criticized and ended up with black faces. So they brought the gay guy, and I can't remember his name, Jonathan, whatever the fuck, and then they brought her on for a show. And Google protected her. Because I had to search and search and search and then go to DuckDuckGo. She doesn't fall within the top 85 cable news shows. That's how bad her ratings are. Black people don't even watch. She's that bad. But if you look at Mediate, if you look at all these other liberal sources, mm, she's got some sassy comebacks. Which is why I wanted to close on this article. How refreshing. CNN seltzer see rating craters suffer worst week of 2021. Showing just how far CNN has has fallen, they continue to struggle with symptoms of Trump withdrawal. Reliable sources and host Brian Seltzer suffered their worst rating of the year on Sunday as Nielsen Media Research showed a scant 936,000 people tuned in for his hour of hate against Fox News. Worse yet, the CNN rating overall plummeted to their worst week in 2021. The Washington Post Paul Fari dug into the Nielsen rating on Monday and found CNN had hemorrhaged 45% of its primetime audience and down MSNBC is down 28% in the same time period while Fox is only lost 6 For the week of March 15th, CNN had just over 1.1 million average viewers during primetime, 269,000 in the key demo for the total day. The cable news network has 755,000 total viewers and 180 in the key demo compared to the same time last week of the last year at the same week. CNN has dropped 64% in the key demos. So as I lose my shit over the media and how fucking terribly bad they are, 
in the fear that as we silence more conservative voices, take people off, and only show super, super left, that we're going to continue down this slide of Americans being dumbasses and voting for a guy in the basement, as long as S1's not approved. I think America's waking up. Now, in our S1 video, a key point I forgot to make, CBS, MSNBC, CNN, they all went with Warnock. Now, understand, Warnock's under investigation. He's one of the key reasons why Georgia did their voting bill, which we covered yesterday, for fraudulent voter registration. But the media media just rolled him out like he's a voice we need to listen to. That's how bad we are. There is no standard in our media. They have no standards anymore. It's just agenda. Whether it be guns, the border. I mean, you really think if Fox News put out a memo like that AP memo today on how you're supposed to talk about the border crossing, you know what the media would have done? And as we started the show, that's not a press conference. When Grandpa has pictures to call on with pre-approved questions. That's not a press conference. This is why, as an independent who didn't like Trump, I'd rather have Trump as president because I know what's going on in my government. If I learned anything, it took a a used-to-be conservative drudge to tell us about Bill Clinton getting hummers off fucking interns. And then lying about it, that was the reason most people with principle wanted him impeached. And I watched eight years of Obama, where nothing was a scandal. The IRS can abuse people. They can let people die on rooftops. They just blame it on something else. At least under Trump, we knew what our government was doing. Now we're back into the old days where the Democrats get to pass bills. All you hear is this is essential for, so we don't have voter suppression because we've disenfranchised black people because somehow they can't get ID cards. Or what we covered yesterday where, oh, they won't let people drink water in voting lines, which has nothing to do about it. They've proven that motherfuckers were bribing people. There was Democrat starting kits. We, we covered it on the show. Gift bags. Here's your Prada bag for being a Democrat and voting for Joe Biden. It's everything wrong with politics. And we segue through every one of these segments. The media doesn't want to tell the truth. They want to protect the narrative. And the narrative is, we need to get rid of the filibuster. We need to have 51% of people voting for fucking policies that even the people... Like Dennis in New York, who just hated Trump. They don't want all these policies, but they need to get their way. So we're going to vote everything in. We're going to get the filibuster. We're going to have two new states. We have more senators for them. We're going to do S1 and ensure that no other party ever can have a president because we're going to build a ballot horse, fraudulently fucking vote from multiple states. It, It fucking doesn't matter. Verifying that the person who said they voted, voted, is unconstitutional to these dumbasses. When as stated in 2018, they made them do a whole new North Carolina fucking election because it said the 
Republicans ballot harvest. And these same media people in 2018 said ballot harvesting was the way to fraud. Mandatory vote by mail with no ID or signature verification. That's S1. That's the kind of shit they do in third world fucking dictator countries. That's what Saddam did. And this is what your media wants. Take away your gun, silence you, and you either do what the fuck we say, or we throw you in jail. Because now all our laws are based on what? how much melanin do you have? Well, you have bail, because you're white. Oh, we're going to help you, because you're black, but if you're making $20,000 a year in California, go fuck yourself, you're white. We're not giving you money. We're not going to give you anything. Every fucking metric has gone to shit the moment this guy became president. Every single one. Your gas is up. Your energy up. The price index is up. Illegal immigration to the tune of 2 million people is up. Unfucking check. Just releasing them into the country. Kids in cages. Well, now they're not cages. They're bubble boy wrapped. No press coverage, no photos, no indignation when people die, no photo of people dying, no little kid on the side of the road crying while we superimpose Trump in front of him for Time Magazine. Not doing it. And then just lie after lie after lie after lie after lie about gun violence. That picture says it all. If you go by your standards... It is not white men doing mass shootings. It's black men killing black men. But you don't want to talk about that. Doesn't fit the narrative. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Get the video and audio at FOPPodcast.com. Share with your family and friends. Send comments to FOPPodcast.com. If you want to see... The video from yesterday, it won't be on FOPPodcast.com, but you go to FOPPodcast.com and get the link to Rumble, it'll be there. If you want to hear the audio from yesterday, you go to FOPPodcast.com, it'll be a link to SoundCloud to get it at SoundCloud. Remember to disconnect from all your devices, don't give the yeah yes. Tune in for our next show, which will be March 31st. It'll be a short show. Because i got to do ID card. The wife's got to get her military ID card. That's a whole nut roll in its fucking self. And thank you, as always, for listening. Listings are up. I love it. Thank you. Thank you all. And you take care of yourself. Watch the Bristol race today. If it happens. Yesterday got canceled. But it's worth the shot. It's good old red dirt racing. Take care, folks. See you Wednesday.